I'm Alan Libsey, CFA, and welcome to the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals all about issues, interests, and insights in today's profession. In this episode, we'll be talking to David Owen, Chief European Economist at Jefferies International here in London. I'll be asking David about what to expect in the aftermath of the COVID-19 crisis. So David, thanks so much for joining us today because you two, you and I work together. We've seen um, a few bear markets and heavy recessions in our time, uh, but this is truly off the charts. I, I, I mean, can you just give us an idea or some sense of just how tough this year will be in economic terms in the UK and Europe? Well, Alan, hi. I mean, so we've never seen anything like this. And when we first started analysing uh, the economic cost of uh, COVID, um, as economies moved towards shutdowns, um, we were warning that this would be the worst uh, one-year fall in GDP that we've ever seen, um, on record going back hundreds of years. And I think that's been pretty much confirmed by the data. When we look at the figures that have been released so far, we're looking at uh, GDP probably having declined over the course of March by around about 25% in... Just, um, just yeah, March. Just March. But that, it depended when the economy shut down. So in the case of Italy, the shutdown happened earlier in the uh, month. So the 25% decline was seen earlier. So um, the hit in terms of Q1 GDP was seen as worse. Um, in the UK, uh, as with Germany, we shut down right at the end of the month. So the hit was seen rather in the last week of March. But this means that we're entering uh, the second quarter with output pretty much the same down everywhere, around about 25%. Now, we we, um, we have these sort of um, real-time economic indicators we also track, uh, which includes web-based movements, congestion flows, sort of travel and that sort of thing. And it, it, that's all very consistent with what we're seeing from that too. But the important thing, and this is really important, is it appears at the moment that um, going through April, coming into May, that these activity indicators began to uh, stabilise and have now started edging higher. Now, we're still going to have a truly horrendous Q2 GDP print for most countries, around about 20% down on the quarter. And that's, by the way, unannualized. And when we plug this in uh, to forecasting, we, we say, well, actually, we're looking at most economies probably seeing GDP declines overall in 2020 of around about uh, 15%, give or take. Mm. Now, that's that, that assumes that we do continue to see some traction as economies um, ease restrictions um, and output starts slowly but surely recovering. What we worry about, though, is obviously a second dip um, later in the year either because we get a, a second wave of COVID, um, but the more likely thing is that once we come off uh, government support uh, sort of uh, mechanisms of one form or another, then we see economies seeing a second leg down in recessions. But at the, at the moment, we're looking at probably a 15% decline in GDP overall this year, but it's all loaded into um, March and early April. So, But we've never seen anything like this before, Alan. I mean, go back hundreds of years. The Bank of England has hundreds of years of data of GDP. Nothing has been seen like this, ever. And one other thing I should probably ask before I go to my next question is, there is this uh, discussion, the power of negative compounding. I mean, you go down 25%. I don't know if that's, you said that, is that quarter on quarter? But no matter what, even down 25%, you need more than a 25% increase the next yeah. uh, period to recover that, don't you? So you really need some very, very sharp recovery, don't you? 
Yeah, which we're simply not going to see. So we know it's going to be a gradual recovery. Uh, we know some things will recover faster than others. We know some things will never really come back. Um, so there's a whole issue right now about uh, the travel uh, tourism business uh, going forward. It's about airline traffic. But it was very, you know, it's always very interesting, you know, the focus on the commercial real estate market now, um, you know, um, whether everyone's going to be working more virtually, um, you know, whether prime real estate in central London or New York uh, will carry the same value going forwards. You know, so some things will never return to normal. Um, and we still have to work our way through this. But the general view at the moment is we've got a probably a very slow, gradual, painful recovery occurring. But remember, at the moment, we've got companies and many people receiving unprecedented government and central bank support. We've never seen this again before. I mean, in most financial crises, the banking sector goes down and banks pull in lines of credit. Um, in most recessionary phases, banks pull in lines of credit. But at the moment, of course, banks are uh, extending out lines of credit. But they are being told to and they're being basically subsidised to do so by governments. And that's helping keep a lot of companies afloat. We have a furloughing scheme here in the UK, which has furloughed an enormous number of people, you know, approaching eight, nine million people probably at the moment. Uh, you know, once these schemes come to an end, there's whole issues about what then happens next. So, OK, on that line, uh, eventually European governments will need to withdraw their support uh, to companies and households. They simply can't afford this. But do you think that's going to take a lot longer than anyone expects? Any withdrawal of subsidy, I mean? Is it just going to hang around for a lot longer because no one will want it? It's well, I guess the the uh, sort of very tough conservative uh, economist might say, well, you know, we we need to get off of this sort of heroin <laughs> uh, addiction here of the uh, subsidy. But others will say, no, we need to uh, stretch it out. What do you think? Well, I think there's been a. It's been amazing how uh, quickly there was a response. So when you think about the way government action has moved, it's moved very, very quickly. And obviously, within Europe uh, and the eurozone in particular, it's harder to get these things going. But even there, there's been, you know, they're, they're moving towards a recovery fund. They may eventually end up with debt mutualisation down the line. But um, the central banks have acted uh, in concert in size. I think most people accept that. You know, the world post-COVID is going to look very different. The size of the state is going to be much bigger. There's going to be, you know, at the end of the day, um, it may be very difficult for governments to withdraw support from certain uh, key sectors and certain key companies. You know, the Bank of England has been telling companies uh, to raise equity. Again, normally in recessions, as you know, companies, um, you know, don't issue equity. Uh, banks put in lines of credit. Recessions are made much worse. The banking sector is being incentivized to continue lending. And uh, companies being told in the UK to effectively raise cash because they've got a massive cash shortfall. You know, the Bank of England did an analysis of 85,000 companies in the UK and worked out that basically that shortfall is about 140 billion plus currently. Hmm. Um, they have 80 billion of cash on the balance sheet, but obviously that cash is, is going to be skewed towards some sectors and some companies. And the issue there is the companies most impacted by uh, COVID. Um, are probably the ones with the worst balance sheets, with the most debt on the balance sheet. They have less equity, uh, less uh, cash on the balance sheet. So you know, there's a clear steer here from uh, you know policymakers. If you can raise equity now, you know, this is very unlike anything I've, I've ever seen before in my professional career. Yeah. So given that, and you you hinted at it earlier, what sort of recovery do you expect in Europe? Uh, given the banking system in Europe was already in a weakened, relative, I would say relatively weakened state relative, compared to US banks. 
tell us tell us something about the geometry that you're expecting here. Is it L shapes, U shapes, swooshes? What is it? Well, we've been obviously talking more about a W-shaped recovery or a something which isn't a V but is closer to an L. Um, but that also leaves government debt um, much higher than policymakers, at least in Europe, have been prepared to accept. So here in the UK, again, I don't say the UK is amazing because you know we've had our own issues. They came out very quickly and basically, in a way, kitchen sink the problem. They said GDP is probably going to decline 15% this year, give or take. Uh, you know, budget the budget deficit in the UK is going to 15%. Um, the Bank of England immediately steps up with QE, and their QE program is much more front-end loaded than the ECB. And the debt management office in the UK started issuing, you know, a lots of gilts, uh, but the QE program in the UK is actually uh, bigger than it. So, you know, they've been able to absorb the gilts that the, um, you know, DMO and effects has issued. In terms of Europe and the Eurozone in particular, most governments there have not admitted yet the scale of the problem. So they're dribbling out the bad news. Hmm. Um, they do know, as you're saying, that they have an issue in some countries with, um, you know, a large tail of underperforming uh, banks as well as corporates. They also know there's going to be a lot of non-performing loans uh, generated, of course, by this, and they have to address the issue. Um, but as ever with Europe, it's going to be a very, very slow process. Um, so I think um, you know the concern we have is that later in the year, markets more wake up to this, and they suddenly realise, oh, it's not just Italy that has a problem; um, mm. it's other countries as well. And you know, one country we've been highlighting, for example, is France, because mm. France runs a budget deficit anyway. Um, it's got a large uh, size of state, and it's easy for us to say, well, actually, the budget deficit in France is going to be 20% of GDP this year. Um, and it's also going to come down from that level quite slowly. Um, and now, that, may, that, that probably won't end up being a problem per se, but you can imagine that the ECB and other uh, parties are going to have to step in and help again. Um, you know, this is not the end of the story. Hmm. And um, it's not really the way I wanted to end it because it's a podcast in itself. But then the UK has to move on to the Brexit <laughs> stage. The Brexit, yes. Um, and is it possible it will just be pushed out a little bit? Or do you think that it will continue? I mean, I know negotiations are already underway with the US own trade. But what, you know, have, you probably already have that in your impact in your economic forecast, but it must look kind of small compared to. COVID-19? Well, the, the thing with Brexit is obviously we have this transitional phase that in theory ends on the 31st of December this year. Uh, the government has until the 1st of July to ask for an extension up to two years. Um, but the government at the moment here in the UK is saying adamantly, no, we're not going to extend. Now, um, you know, that then um, comes to an interesting issue because at that point, do we then move to, you know, WTO, WTO terms um, in terms of our trading relationship with Europe? Uh, next year. Um, now, this is not really in anyone's interests. And I would also argue that, um, um, you know, given London's role as the financial the hub, really, in, in Europe still, and importantly, the need for companies to raise financing, but also governments to increasingly raise financing, and much of that financing is done here um, in London, it's in everyone's interest to just extend out this transitional phase. Um, but, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen. What we don't know as well, which sounds crazy, is if we go past this um, July deadline, whether at the end of the day we could have an extension announced uh, in November, December. Um, but we're going to have a f 
interesting few weeks as that deadline uh, approaches. And we know that companies in the UK, for example, are getting increasingly concerned again about uh, the need for this extension. Um, you know, it's not as important quite yet as, as COVID, but it's something else which will be of concern to people um, as we go through into the summer. Okay, David, thanks very much. I, I, there's a, a lot in there and there's a, a lot more to talk about in the future, but um, I pr appreciate you talking to us. So thank you very much uh, for listening and watching this uh, podcast. Look out for our next podcast, and the details of which will be in the regular CFA UK newsletter, or subscribe to CFA UK's SoundCloud channel. Find out more at www.cfauk.org slash podcast. Thanks. Thank you.